When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To Buckeye talk. It's not Wednesday. Uh, I had to go see my parents. There was some stuff. I was in Florida. Landis was driving home from Florida. Um, but we're here now. So sorry we're late this week. Uh, Doug Lane Marie, Phil Landis, your Cleveland.com Ohio State coverage team. We got stuff happening too. We got stuff happening too. We'll keep you guys posted on that. Um, we're going to cover a lot of topics this week on Buckeye talk. You can always subscribe to us on iTunes. There's a whole Buckeye Talk channel there. And then Landis, tell me the exciting news about the other places we are. Okay, so I'm just going to list them. iTunes, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and uh, we're recording this on Friday evening. Sometime in the next 24 hours, I've been told, we will also be on the TuneIn radio app, which uh, I think a lot of people who have like Android phones might use to listen to stuff. Um, so you can search Buckeye, Buckeye Talk now on TuneIn, and it should show up there. And the reason I did it is because I recently purchased an Amazon Echo because Prime Day was the other day, and Amazon Echoes were half price. So I had to buy one. I almost bought two. Um, and I said, Alexa, play Buckeye Talk, and she did not play Buckeye Talk because it was not on the TuneIn app. But now, when you say, Alexa, play Buckeye Talk, you will have Buckeye Talk. Think about You might be the first person... One of you out there is going to be the first person to say, Alexa, play Buckeye Talk, and have it happen. It's going to be me. It's going to be magical. Uh, If you do that, uh, record it and send us the video, and we want to see Alexa playing Buckeye Talk. Um, So we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. We're going to talk about Torrance Gibson. We're going to talk about Chris Spielman and his lawsuit against Ohio State, which just came out on Friday today. Um, We're going to talk about our top 50 Buckeyes countdown that we're in the middle of. But first, I want to throw a curveball at Landis. Uh Uh-oh. We're going to preview Big Ten Media Days next week. Big Ten Media Days are Monday and Tuesday, uh, the following week, the 25th and 26th, I think it is. Um, So we'll get into that later in more detail, what to expect from that. I will be doing our annual survey of Big Ten writers to figure out who the Big Ten favorite is supposed to be uh, because the Big Ten doesn't do it, so we do it here at Cleveland.com. But I want to ask you one thing because I have an opinion about this topic. JT Barrett is not going to Big Ten Media Days. He is not one of the three Ohio State representatives. Tyquan Lewis, Billy Price, and Chris Worley are going for Ohio State. And some people uh, are angry. I think angry is the right word, Mm -hmm. that JT Barrett's not going to go. What do you think of it, Landis? Uh, I was one of those angry people, and then I forgot, or I guess I remembered, that JT Barrett was there last year. He went, I forget who the whole group was, but JT Barrett was one of the guys who went last year. Um, and I think that if coaches want to use Big Ten Media Day as like some kind of reward for seniors, maybe reward, reward is the wrong word because I don't think it's very rewarding to get to talk to us for an hour. Um, but it's a cool experience. There's a luncheon. You get to go to Chicago, hang out for a few days before the season starts. A lot of teams reserve that for seniors. Ohio State took a junior quarterback last year who maybe they thought was a senior. Or maybe they weren't expecting JT to come back, and that's why they did it. But 
JT got a shot in Chicago. Billy Price, Tyquan Lewis, and Chris Worley have never been the Big Ten media days. So if that was the rationale for not sending JT and sending those other three guys, um, I think I'm okay with it. Uh, I get, like, ideally the Big Ten's best players should be there. Um, Billy Price is an All-American. Tyquan Lewis was the defensive lineman of the year. And Chris Worley is a starting linebacker, middle linebacker for the best team in the conference. Heartbeat of the defense. Right. Like, those three guys deserve to be there also. So I'm not going to get up on ours about JT Barrett not being there. I have a bigger problem with Saquon Barkley not being there. And that's because he's not a senior, right? Right. But he's he's never going to be a senior who gets to go because he's going pro after this year. Right. Um, Here's the thing that I think about this, and that is that you don't care if we're mad about who we get to interview. That's also true. Reporters love to be angry about who is made available at a news conference, and it's an outrage. It's not like people aren't going to write about JT Barrett. Billy Price is going to get asked about JT Barrett. Like Some people like went way nuts about this. And I think in in the end, it just bothers me a little bit because it just makes us look whiny. And you already think we're whiny because we kind of are whiny. Listen to me right now. (laughs) Like you don't care if I said, oh, God, fans, I have terrible, terrible news to tell you. JT Barrett will not be in Chicago. So first of all, the Ohio State writers, we're going to get to talk to him literally a million times. He's going to want to punch us in the face by the middle of October. He already wants to – by the way, that's another reason that he's not going. It's because he does not want to talk to us. It's not a reflection on JT Barrett. It's a reflection on us. We're awful. <laughs> we asked him so – all of last year – this is all of last year interviewing JT Barrett. JT, uh, Ohio State is clearly on a path toward the uh, college football playoff. But uh, just wondering, wondering uh, real quick, uh, why can't you throw it? What's wrong with you um, on your playoff path? Why are you guys so terrible throwing it on your way to the playoff? Like it was just yeah. incessant. Now, doesn't mean it shouldn't have been asked. Kind of was the thing. Doesn't mean he's not going to be asked it a million times. He knows he's going to be asked it a million times this year. That's all this season is. Can they throw it? By the way, they're going to make Whether or not they can throw it, they're probably going to the playoff. <laughs> Didn't matter last year. JT, Ohio State's going to win the national championship regardless, but why aren't you throwing for 350 yards per game? <laughs> that is all Chicago is going to be for him. So if somebody said, hey, JT, up to you. You want to go? He was like, hard pass. <laughs> yeah. No, it's... So we could shut up. Yeah. Um. And plus, but Saquon Barkley should be there. Saquon Barkley should be there. But by the way, and so, and the other thing too is like you want to say, well, then if you don't win the Heisman, don't be mad because you did. If Saquon Barkley runs for four thousand yards, nobody's going to care if you went to Big Ten Media Days. He's going to win the Heisman. Yeah. Um, you know who's going to love Big Ten Media Days? Billy Price. Oh yeah. Hello, Billy Price. Listening to this podcast, we know you're excited to talk to media members. Billy Price is going to. I can already see him. He's going to sit in his chair. He's going to lean back. He's going to unbutton his suit coat, smooth his tie, and hold court for an hour. And he's going to love representing this offense. He is the lone offensive representative. He's going to get asked a thousand JT Barrett questions, and he will be more than happy to answer them. He will defend, he will defend JT to his death. When did that? Ch- he like he changed last year. Was it last year? Captain Billy? Is that when it? Captain Bill? Yeah, Captain Bill. Yeah. You you slap a C on that man's chest. He's a new person. He wears, yeah. I mean, he wears it well. He's like he's a guy you want. And I, it's not, we're not complaining about it. It was just a noticeable change in his demeanor and the way he handled himself under a barrage of questions about why the quarterback wasn't good and why the offensive line wasn't good. 
And now, and now Pat Elfline's gone, and Billy Price is like, I am the captain now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's on. It's going to be a year-long Billy Price fest. You know what? I'm not going to interview him in Chicago because I'm going to be sick of him by the middle of October. I'm going to punch him in the face. And he knows it too, Billy Price. We're going to go at it this year, Captain Bill. Um, okay, so listen. Let's talk about Torrance Gibson. Torrance Gibson, the thing he told me when we miraculously stumbled upon him at the NFL Combine. So weird. Like he was sent from the heavens and dropped at the bottom of an escalator. <laughs> You're walking down the hallway and it's like, God, that guy looks like Torrance Gibson. It's like, that is Torrance Gibson. The plan was for Torrance Gibson to play quarterback at Cincinnati this year. He sat out last year at Ohio State as a result of an off-field issue. Um, he was at a community college this summer getting credits and he talked as if he was going to have that straightened out and be ready to be at Cincinnati and competing for the quarterback job this fall. And, Bill, now that is not happening. No, he's enrolled at uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, which if you uh, might remember back to December when we were all wondering what his standing was with Ohio State, all of a sudden a random tweet popped up in December that said, Torrance Gibson has signed a letter of intent to Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. And we're like, where is that place and why is he signed there? And then all the stuff with Cincinnati happened, and now he's like circled back to this junior college uh, in southern Mississippi. It's not even on the Gulf Coast. I looked it up. It's uh, misleading. Um, close enough to the beach. Closer to the beach in Cincinnati, I guess. So you were looking it up to see if it was close enough to the beach to warrant a visit from you to go yeah, out of Torrance Gibson. Exactly, it's exactly what I was doing. I love, I love the Gulf Coast. I was just there. Um, yeah, so basically the deal was, at least what I got from the whole situation was, he was never going to be able to play or even practice, I think, for Cincinnati this year. And that was pretty evident in May when Luke Fickle did an interview with the Cincinnati Inquirer and said that Torrance Gibson needed 30 credit hours in a spring semester and a summer semester to be eligible to play in the fall. He could have gone to school and like been around the team, I think, in some certain capacities, but I don't think he would have been on the field. He would have had to sit a year um, while waiting to get in good academic standing probably that following spring and then start practicing with the team. So that he made this decision to go to a junior college that will enable him to play in the fall, frankly, was not that surprising to me. It's another kind of weird turn in Torn Skipson's journey to wanting to be a quarterback. But I think taking everything into account, it might make the most sense for him to actually play this year. He'll still have two years of eligibility left after this season in junior college. He can play wherever he wants next fall. He'll transfer wherever he goes in the spring. He's supposed to graduate from junior college in December. So, um, I think it makes sense. People were surprised and were like, oh, this this guy's never going to make it. Like, this is – Cam Newton did this. Like, it's not it's not some path that you take that, that doesn't lead you to where you want to get to. I think ultimately this might be better for him if he wants to play quarterback at FBS. Whether or not he can is another story, but this, this will put him on the path to that, I think, more than sitting out an entire season at Cincinnati might have. I, I, the thing it affects is I thought maybe well, – I probably got out over my skis on Torrance Gibson a little bit. We all do. He's uh, he's a five-star talent. Um, Yeah, he does. He has that effect on people. Uh, I thought there was a chance Luke Fickle was going to capture lightning in a bottle. And Luke Fickle is going to go to Cincinnati, have this guy from Ohio State, sort of have this weird career, follow him to Cincinnati, and boom, like Terrell Pryor 2.0. I I wouldn't have bet on that. I didn't think it was impossible, though. And I wasn't expecting necessarily that Torrance Gibson was going to be the starting quarterback week one for Cincinnati. But I thought there was a shot for this 
to be like a magic bean that Luke Fickle got to bring to Cincinnati. Now that's not going to happen. No, and I, I mean, in some ways, it's Torrance Gibson like bending on himself a little bit. Like, not, and it's not to disparage Cincinnati because I think Luke Fickle is going to do a good job there. But he had two choices in front of him. Basically, it was sit out an entire year, don't play football at all, and then try to be Cincinnati starting quarterback in 2018, or go play junior college and like maybe you'll be the quarterback at I don't know Auburn in 2018. Auburn was one of the schools that was offering him a quarterback spot coming out of high school. Um, I think they have Jared Stidham at quarterback now, but that's just a hypothetical. So maybe he saw a better opportunity for himself if he went the junior college route. The thing that I do think remains true, and we sort of talked about this, I think, when it happened, is Torrance Gibson picked the wrong college coming out of high school. Yeah. Uh, and kids do that. That happens. Ohio State is not the right place for everybody. Um, it is the right place for a lot of guys. Uh, this was wrong for him. He thought he was going to be a quarterback. He was a quarterback for a day. He got moved to receiver. The off-field thing, certainly Ohio State, the football program disputed his school suspension um, for that that issue. Um, and he, whatever happened, I mean, he has to take some responsibility for that. But it just, that's not even what I'm talking about. It's like he really in his heart wanted to be a quarterback and honestly was never going to get the shot here to be that. And got moved to receiver right away. And I think if he just would have gone to a school where he would have been a quarterback and only a quarterback from day one, it's easy to tell a a talented kid, hey, listen, would you rather sit as a fourth-string quarterback or wouldn't you rather try to play right away as a receiver? And then if things work out, we'll move you back to quarterback. That's not how you get – Troy Smith did that a little bit on some special teams, but he was not a five-star recruit. Quarterbacks come and sit. Dwayne Haskins didn't get moved to receiver. Dwayne Haskins played quarterback and is biding his time and waiting his turn. And I think if Torrance Gibson in his heart wanted to be a quarterback, he should have gone to a place where he knew he was going to be a quarterback the whole time. And Ohio State, I think, was not – whatever happened, it wasn't exactly what he wanted. And things happen all the time that isn't what, what the player wants to happen. And you do what's best for the team. But this was kind of – I feel like it was a little bit disingenuous from the start of like, yeah. hey, he's coming as – some teams were recruiting him as not a quarterback. Oh, well, I want to be a quarterback. Oh, Ohio State's recruiting me as a quarterback. Day two of practice. What happened? You're a receiver now. That's not exactly right. So good luck to Torrance Gibson. I don't know. I was really excited at the prospect of Torrance Gibson quarterbacking Cincinnati in Ohio Stadium, which was on the table if this whole thing would have worked out. Or, yeah. or Torrance skips like, by some miracle if he got academically eligible quarterbacking Cincinnati against Michigan this year. In week two. That in would be crazy. Two, yeah. When does Cincinnati comes in 2019? Or is it 2018? I don't remember off the top of my head. I think it's 2019. Cincinnati. I think it's 2019 because they have that back-to-back potential Lane Kiffin, Luke Fickle oh, yeah. double dip yeah. for the fighting Buckeyes. Who their schedule stinks that year. Coached by Kenny Cincinnati Dyke. is like their marquee non-conference game that year. They have a bad year in there because yeah. they have uh, – is that right? When's the TCU stuff? Now we're playing the schedule game. TCU got switched. Like, TCU was a home-and-home, and and now it's a one-off in Dallas next year. Oh, that's right. At 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 AT&T Stadium, like the the kickoff class. And we're going to Dallas next year? Yeah. Preseason? That's pretty good. Yeah. Go to that uh, good Mexican place near the airport. That's right. We found a really good Mexican place. Um, We'll talk Mexican food then here in a little bit. (laughs) Let me me, uh, do that before we get to our uh, Cleveland Food Bank commercial. Oh, yeah. Would you have that ready? I can have it ready, yeah. What is your favorite Mexican food? Because I just ate – I we were at a food truck festival the other day, and there's a particular – I don't really understand Mexican food because we've had this discussion before. Every country, every culture 
has a specific food that people go crazy for in that culture, and they're all just meat inside of dough. With cheese. That's it. Yeah. You call it whatever you want. Call it a pierogi. Call it a taco. Call it a, a steak sandwich. Ravioli. Call it ra- it's just <laughs> meat in dough. There's not much else to life other than meat in dough. But I'm a big empanada guy. See, I don't even know. You'd have to tell me what an empanada is. So it's meat and dough. Yeah, but like, how is it presented to you? In is that like, the one of the corn husk? It, no, that's a tamale. Oh, I also okay. love tamales. Uh, meat uh, empanada is like a half moon. It's kind of deep fat fried with meat inside, but it's like a almost like a half moon kind of shell. I went to a place in New York City one time that I scouted out. We actually went to New York City for my 40th birthday, and I said, where, where do you want to eat? And we ate at a place called Empanada Mama, and they had like 50 – it was like a kind of a hole-in-the-wall place. Um, they had like 50 different kinds of empanadas though with like meat – different meats and different flavorings inside. And then they had some dessert empanadas, and they were really, really good. But it's hard to find empanadas sometimes. I'm, I feel like I'm not the right person to ask this question. How can not, this be? I don't know. I think How I, can I, I ask? Like a, oh, you know, I like a, like an enchilada, like a nice enchilada. I don't know what an enchilada is. It's like uh, it's meat inside inside dough. inside a inside a dough, and then they're like smothered in some kind of red sauce. Um, I don't speak chili relleno. I think or no, that's a different thing. Never mind. That's not a sauce. <laughs> that's a that's a pepper stuff or something. We're gonna um, if you've been to Empanada Mama in New York, uh, tweet at us. Tweet at Doug Maurice and we can talk empanada mama. I'm going to get you the menu, Landis, and show it to you. I mean, no matter what you order, you're getting the same thing, like you said, and it's all good. But I, yeah. like, I like a nice enchilada plate. But it's like you go to a Mexican restaurant and you get the combination platter, and it's like, well, which three things do you want? And it's like, why are we even playing this game? Yeah. They're all meat inside dough. I don't care. You know what I do? I, I'm a big fan of like uh, Spanish rice. Or like rice and beans. Really? I don't yeah. do the beans. Yeah, I like the, I like the rice and beans. Um, I... I that's what I kind of zero in on when I go to a Mexican restaurant and I'm looking at the plate. But like the refried bre- refried beans and the rice and beans are the Spanish. You rice. zero in on that first ahead of the meat inside yeah. the dough. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, speaking of food, the Cleveland Food Bank is an organization that we here at Cleveland.com uh, enjoy supporting. This Cleveland Food Bank ad could be replaced by your company's ad if anybody in the history of the world ever bought an ad on the Buckeye Talk podcast, which hasn't happened yet. But all right, so now you have to read it. I'm not reading it. It's it's pre uh, it's pre produced. Oh you're pre oh you pre produced it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So here's Bill Landis talking about the Cleveland Food Bank and there's a little bow chicka bow behind it. Okay, guys, quick second here to talk about the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. Uh, We know it can be hard to know which charities deserve your money these days and which charities you can trust to use that money in the right way. We're telling you, you can trust the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. The ratings website Charity Navigator gave the food bank four stars. That's the highest possible score it can get for its transparency and use of your money. That's one of the reasons why Cleveland.com is a partner of the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. Last year, the food bank provided 50 million meals, 50 million meals, to hungry people in Cuyahoga, Ashtabula, Geauga, Lake, Ashland, and Richland counties. To learn more about giving food, money, or your time, please visit greaterclevelandfoodbank.org. Okay, so now we'll get into a story um, related to Ohio State, but off the football field. It's really strange, but interesting. Um, And we're going to write about it, I'm sure. We're going to follow this as this unfolds. There's a quick story up on cleveland.com about it now. But basically, Chris Spielman, 
who is certainly in the conversation. The Heisman winners are the Heisman winners, but he's in the conversation with the greatest Buckeye ever. I mean, the most beloved Buckeye ever. Um, you guys know Chris Spielman. I'm not going to sit here and read Chris Spielman's resume. But he's filed a lawsuit against Ohio State and IMG, which is the marketing marketing company, company associated with Ohio State. And we'll let – you may have heard about it by now. We'll let Bill break it down a little bit here, and then we'll talk about it. It's a very uh, interesting situation when you have – I mean, again, this is a situation we, – we had uh, – Recently, fairly recently, Archie Griffin's brother, Ray Griffin, who played at Ohio State, having an issue with Ohio State related to concussions. Um, and now here's one of the all-time greats as a Buckeye with a lawsuit related to off-the-field stuff. Yeah, so basically um, Spielman's lawsuit, which he's sort of doing on like behalf of former Ohio State players, um, I don't believe that any other ones have signed the suit with him. It's sort of him out there on his own at the moment. Um but it's targeting Ohio State marketing programs that use former player likenesses um, for promotional benefits. And the thing that is specifically mentioned in the suit are banners that hang around Ohio Stadium. There's 64 of them that have – you've probably seen them if you've been to Ohio Stadium. They have photos from old games, um, former players. Spielman's on one of them. Archie Griffin's on one of them. Um, they're all over the place. And those – Banners have Honda logos on them, and apparently Ohio State never bothered to ask those players if they can use their likenesses on those basically advertisements for Honda that hang in Ohio Stadium. Um, so the suit targets things like that. Um, names Ohio State and names IMG that Doug mentioned, Honda and Nike um, also as, as companies that are improperly using the likenesses of former Ohio State athletes. And that's like the throwback jerseys, right, mm-hmm. with the names on it. That's yeah. where the Nike part of this comes mm-hmm. in. Let us, uh, yeah, Nike. Just, I'm just going to read this verbatim from from the story. Nike is targeted for its Legends of Scarlet and Gray vintage jersey licensing program and other apparel contracts with Ohio State. And you'll see that. I mean, you'll see people walking around in, in Legends jersey that number 36 with Spielman mm-hmm. on the back. Um, so it's interesting. I, I, the thing I don't think anybody is going to do. Um on either side of this is question Chris Spielman. I think he is above reproach. Mm-hmm. Um, the way he conducted himself as a player, both in college and the NFL, the way he has conducted himself as a person um, off the field, uh, the things he has uh, done for people, um, for the uh, cancer community, um, Nobody is going to think that Chris Spielman is doing this for selfish reasons. And so I think I, I know that um, there was, you know, I think when, when you do something like this, there's some question about how you will be perceived, what will fans think of you. Um, and we'll get into maybe what the what we might think the resolution of this will be. And we're not lawyers, um, but we sort of understand how this works with with the NCAA and big time athletic programs like Ohio state. But I think to me, my expectation from a fan perspective and, and Bill, you, you know, neither of us covered Chris Spielman, but we've covered great Ohio state players who are beloved by the fans. And so you understand that relationship. Um, My guess would be that although people love Ohio state, that's who you love. You love the Buckeyes. You love the Scarlet and gray. You love the program. You love, any player who chooses to put on that uniform. 
But in a situation like this, I think fans are going to, for lack of a better word, side with the player. So you say, what do you think of that? And we're not even talking about merits of the case. I think we're talking about initial impressions. That's my initial impression, how I think a fan who doesn't know the nitty-gritty of the situation, what they will think when they hear about this. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. And maybe it's different because they're former players. Spielman is suing on behalf of former players and not necessarily current players, although current players are, are included, I think, in his overall message of, of universities profiting off player likenesses. I think it's a pretty hot-button issue, and I'm not so sure that college football fans want to see a world where players are compensated for their likenesses or compensated really in any, any manner. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 I think that it's possible that this sort of gets lumped in with that whole discussion that I think makes people a little uncomfortable about whether or not college athletes who are currently playing should be paid and compensated for their likenesses, for the use of their likenesses by universities. So I, I, would, I would bet that there's a fair amount of people who wouldn't side with Spielman on this. I, I think maybe they see the argument but don't want to live in a world where college athletes are making money. If this discussion makes you uncomfortable, by the way, it should make you uncomfortable. It's complicated and it's weird and it actually does matter also, by the way, especially not necessarily to the Chris Spielmans of the world as much, but it matters to the 20-year-old kids who are sacrificing their bodies and their brains every Saturday for your enjoyment and not being compensated for it while they're football team and their athletic program is raking in hundreds of millions of dollars. So it should make you uncomfortable. If you want to sit and enjoy um, this team and this program, um, this is the price you have to pay. You have to think about this a little bit, even if you don't want to, because it's a reality. Here's why I think people, my guess would be that they would side with the player. I think fans can and do differentiate between the football program that they love, that those uniforms run out of the tunnel every Saturday, that those band members um, make a script Ohio, those Buckeye leaves on the helmet. I think they differentiate between that entity, which is the pageantry and the passion that they love every Saturday, and the greedy corporate part of college athletics. I think, for instance, people don't like Gene Smith. Now, some people don't like Gene Smith because of the way he handled um, the Jim Trestle situation or the tattoo scandal or whatever. Um, but I think like people think it's a bad look when Gene Smith was getting bonuses in his contract for individual NCAA championships by individual athletes. I don't think the average fan liked that. And I think this is more like that. This is more like corporate Ohio State making money off the back of a guy who's part of passionate Ohio State. Chris Spielman is part of running on the field with those Buckeye leaves on his helmet in front of 100,000 screaming fans. Chris Spielman is part of that. The Ohio State part of it in dispute here is an advertising logo on a photo. And so I think... People can love Ohio State, but think that that business side of Ohio State, which obviously is a big part of this, I think they may find that that's the same business side that ups your ticket prices. 
that makes it more expensive to park, that sets the concession prices, that plays more games at night so you have to stay up super late, that expanded the conference so that Ohio State plays more games against Rutgers and Maryland and fewer games against Wisconsin and Iowa and Minnesota. Um, that's this part of it. This money, anything for a buck side of it. And so I think a fan could look at this and say, it's not that Chris Spielman is is filing a lawsuit against my Saturday Ohio State, my Buckeye leave Ohio State, my Ohio Stadium, Scarlet and Gray, um, Carmen, Ohio, Ohio State. Chris Spielman is is filing a lawsuit against the Monday through Friday, sitting in an office counting up the money, finding a new way to get 10 cents more out of a TV deal at the cost of tradition, at the cost of the fans, at the cost mostly of those 20-year-old kids on the field who are giving up their bodies and their brains without compensation. So that's why I think fans, at first blush, not being law experts, would say, I'll stick with Spiels. I think, I, I mean, I agree with most of that, and, and it would make sense if that were the case. I just, I don't know. And people who are listening to this who think I'm wrong and off base, like, tell me on Twitter that I am, because I'm not trying to lump everybody in the one group, but I just very much get the vibe that college football fans don't, would would maybe be a little wary of the precedent that something like this could set. And like you said, like, it's not probably going to end in anyone getting paid. It's probably just going to end in the banners getting taken down. But if that opens the doors in any way that people have been trying to open for for years about player compensation, for current player compensation, I don't. I think I think people are legitimately scared, and maybe "scared" is the wrong word, but nervous about what that would mean for the future of the college football game they've come to know and love, and and purists of the game who think it's amateurism at its best and don't want to see players get compensated in any regard outside of the scholarship that the university gives them. I think might not side with something like this because of what it could lead to down the road in terms of ramifications for current players and the use of their likenesses. The interesting thing about this is that, and I think it was even referenced in uh, one of the initial stories about this, is Ed Bannon, Ed Bannon, Ed O'Bannon, Steve Bannon, he's the Trump guy, Ed O'Bannon, Steve O'Bannon. I think when you add an O in front of any last name, it just makes you seem friendlier. Yeah. Is that is that a? I mean, that's just a thing, isn't it? Yeah. If you were William Olandis, I mean, you're a pretty jocular guy already. <laughs> if I were Doug Ole Maurice, I wouldn't be nearly that's too, the huge jerk that I am. It makes your last name even more difficult to spell. I know. That's the last thing I need is a freaking O and an apostrophe and a <laughs> ten-letter last name nobody can pronounce. Ed O'Bannon, uh, the former UCLA basketball player who who brought sort of the initial suit that has dealt with all this likeness stuff. The O'Bannon suit's basically the thing that led to the end of the... Ma- the NCAA. NCAA. And so, but Ed O'Bannon is not one of the most beloved players in UCLA basketball history. That's what is interesting about this. And Ed O'Bannon didn't just... He was doing the larger corporate, faceless corporate monolith of the NCAA, right? Mm-hmm. This is... A legend against a school. That was a good player against an organization. And so this makes this more personal um, in a lot of ways. And Chris Spielman has said whatever funds he may get from this lawsuit, he's going to donate back to the athletic department. Because clearly he's doing this to make a point. But I do think there's a point. Bill, let's talk about this. And again, 
We're not law experts. We're going to write more about this. This is not going away. Bill sort of mentioned this. I think the outcome of this, and we've talked about this, is that these banners that hang in Ohio Stadium um, in the concourses with their pictures on them and the Honda ad, one of two things is going to happen. They're going to take them all down, or they're just going to make new ones without the Honda ad. Mm -hmm. Chris Spielman isn't mad that Ohio State has his picture hanging up. Chris Spielman has a dealership, has a has a uh, agreement with another auto company beyond Honda. So it's kind of in conflict to have him looking like he's sponsoring Honda on these things. And it's just one of these things. Of course, Ohio, if Ohio State has 70 pictures of former players hanging somewhere, if they can get a nickel for it, they're putting an ad on it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So they put an ad on something they shouldn't have put an ad on. So I don't know how much money is he going to get. I think he'll take it down. But I think there is a – do you think there's a worthwhile larger point to be made here if Spielman is trying to do this on behalf of current and former players, anybody who says, you can't take my picture and sell something with it? Is that a reasonable stance or is that making a mountain out of a molehill? No, I, I mean I think it is. And it's <clears throat> it speaks to a much larger issue obviously, but – yeah, if myself in his shoes, if, if someone was trying to sell someone with my pretty face on, on a billboard somewhere and I wasn't getting any cut of that, I would be upset about it. Um, but it's not – it's clearly from the lawsuit and they're – I think it said they're suing for damages like above $75,000. That's not swinging for the fences. Like there's probably – if you really wanted to hit Ohio State hard, you could – this lawsuit could be in the millions if you wanted it to be. And it's not. It's not about the money, at least not for Chris Spielman who said he will donate anything he'll win back to the university, which again is weird. Um, no, this is all about making a point, and a point I think worth making. And you got to start somewhere. Maybe some people might view it as making a mountain out of a molehill, like you said. But like he went through his entire college career, and then this uproar of of getting compensated probably wasn't as great or as loud as it is now when Chris Spielman was playing college football. But he was unpaid labor for however many four years he was at Ohio State, and then went on to the NFL. And Ohio State is still using his likeness and profiting off of him, and he's not seeing anything. From that, and there's a large group of players who, who fall into that category. So, no, I, th- I think this is warranted. And, frankly, I'm a little surprised it took this long for something like this to happen. And, and I think a part of it uh, – I think a large part of it is not even the compensation. It's just the idea of you using me, you using my face to sell something that I have no control over. Mm-hmm. So someone might say, well, what's the big deal? It's a car ad. What if it was a beer ad? What if it was a picture of Chris Spielman and it said, drink Miller Light? Would that be different? Would that be more understandable to be mad about? What if it said, try Marlboro cigarettes? What if it was for a strip club? You have a picture of a former Ohio State player and an ad in the corner that says, the official strip club of Ohio State football. Would it be okay to be mad then? So it's not really about the money. It's about the control of your likeness that you don't get to use. Just because I played college football for you, you don't get to use me to sell something without me having a say in that. And I think that is a completely reasonable thing because some people would say, well, we're not saying that Chris Spielman endorses Honda or that Chris Spielman endorses whatever ad we put on that. But if you are walking down the concourse at Ohio stadium and you see a picture of Chris Spielman and there's a Honda ad on it, you're probably going to assume that Chris Spielman is endorsing Honda. You're not going to think, well, it's probably just a likeness they're using from a former thing. And they put it on with 70 different guys. So I think um, that is a reasonable thing to have. And because there's not a player's union in college football, this is the kind of thing that the union works out. 
if we're going to give up our rights for our likenesses, and maybe you get to decide then whether what you put on the ad, well, we're going to be compensated for it. Compensated, it's not about the money. If it's about we're going to do what we want, we'll cut you a little check. Mm-hmm. So maybe you do lose control of it, but at least you get something for it. Or you keep control of it, and maybe you get no money for it. So um, here's the other part. Ohio State sues everybody who uses a block O. If Landis got a got a, his goatee shaved into the shape of a block O, Ohio State would probably sue him for a licensing infringement. I would not do that. So, like, it's a taste of their own medicine yeah. in a lot of ways, and they are, and they have a right to do that. If I'm going to make a shirt with a block O on it and says Bill O'Landis, the friendliest guy in America, with a block O, Ohio State is going to say, well, we don't endorse Bill O'Landis. This, we're not even sure this is a real person. You don't have the right to implicitly say to people, Ohio State is endorsing Bill O'Landis. That's the same issue here. So um, it sounded like from the lawsuit that, that uh, Spielman had talked to Ohio State about this. They tried to work it out. They couldn't come to an agreement. But um, Ohio State has every right to be, but Ohio State is very particular with its own images and likenesses. And so they should not be upset or surprised or angry or unprepared when a person does the same thing. How big do you think this gets? I don't think it gets big. Yeah, I don't think think so either. I think my guess would be that they talked. Somebody said, if we can't work this out, I'm going to have to file a lawsuit. And they said, like, you're not going to file a lawsuit. And then they filed a lawsuit, and now... This will be the impetus to figuring this out, um, but obviously it's more about it's more about a message. But but so Chris Spielman has already accomplished some um, component of what he wanted to do because it's an issue. It's an issue right now. Mm-hmm. Ohio State doesn't want this to be an issue. This is not what they want people talking about on the most popular Ohio State football podcast in America. Ten days before the Big Ten media days. We should be talking about all the uncompensated athletes on the current team, not the uncompensated <laughs> athlete who's already done. So on some level, Chris Spielman has already made his point, and Ohio State might be happy to get this over with so he doesn't keep making his point. Yeah. We um, are going to be at Big Ten Media Days in Chicago. We normally ask for questions. Uh, we didn't ask for questions this week. Um, you want to hit top 50 at all? Before we, I don't we can hit top 50. So we'll get questions from you guys again. We want your, we want to know what you want to know about Big Ten Media Days. So we'll send that out on Twitter, but you can tweet us at BillLandis25, at Doug Maurice, um, with questions about what you're wondering about for Big Ten Media Days. We will preview Big Ten Media Days next week. But we are in the midst of previewing the season with our top 50 Buckeyes countdown. We are almost 10 in. Yeah, so this is we're recording this on Friday. Uh, number forty drops on Saturday. So I guess we are ten in. So yeah. Akuda was number so Akuda was forty one. Yeah. So Bill just put up uh, number forty one, which was an interesting one. And what we're trying to do is based on past performance, opportunity, what we think they're going to do this year, the the most important players for this team this season. Um, Jeffrey Okuda is a guy that I wrote in the spring. He I would not be afraid of him starting as a true freshman. He should be ready. Ohio State should do it if need be. I was very against Michael Jordan starting on the offensive line as a true freshman last year. But Jeffrey Okuda from Texas is one of the top 10 prospects in the country. Um, 
seemed like athletically and mentally ready to step in and compete for a starting job at corner. I think after spring ball, that was a little less so. Kendall Sheffield as a junior college transfer probably slipped into that role a little bit more. But where do you think, how do you think people should be thinking about Jeffrey Okuda and how do you think he fits in overall? We Obviously, he's at number 41, but what's the right context for him in this whole top 50 list? Yeah, I think I think it's possible that when this is also in we rank our 50 and like we go through the season that Okuda could be the one we're off the most on. Depending on, I just I don't know if they're going to have rotate four cornerbacks. It seems like a lot to me. You think we're going to be that he should be like not in the top fifty at all? No, no, he's going to end up like in the top twenty. Like I I don't think it's completely impossible that he pushes Kendall Sheffield in the fall for either the third cornerback spot in a three man rotation or somehow makes this something that goes beyond a three man rotation. In addition to being a really important and good special teams player for Ohio State. Um, there are some guys we have ranked ahead of him, I think, because there are still some position battles up for grabs and maybe someone unexpected could jump in and take one of those spots. So those kind of guys like that might be ranked a little higher than Jeffrey Okuda. But if we're sitting here in November and Jeffrey Okuda is playing, you know, I don't know, 30 snaps a game at cornerback. Uh, kind of like what Denzel Ward did last year. Well, we didn't do the math, but the reps were split evenly between those three. When it, like by the end of the year, like Marshawn Lattimore, Gary and Conley, and Denzel Ward played basically the same amount of plays um, up to and through the Fiesta Bowl against Clemson. So Okuda is either the third man in a rotation like that with Damon Arnett and Denzel Ward, or there's four of them, those three and Kendall Sheffield splitting reps evenly four ways. Do you think that's on the table with what you know of Kerry Combs? I think Kerry Combs is going to push it as far as he can push it. Like, and that basically means like as far as Urban Meyer will allow him to go. I think he earned some trust last year by playing three evenly and, and basically seeing no drop off among the three. So not only not seeing a drop off, but perhaps making them better. Right. And if he, if he has that now, they always talk about, and like, I don't want the, the theory versus testimony thing they always say, which they say all the time and has become a cliche at this point. It was like, Kerry Combs thought it could work. He did it and it worked. So I think Urban Meyer will probably buy it if Kerry Combs comes in and says, listen, Jeff Okuda's got to play. Kendall Sheffield has to play. Jeff Okuda's got to play. We have four corners who are really good who need to play. We're rotating them all evenly. I think that's on the table. I would, I would be pretty shocked if that happened, but not totally shocked if it happened. I don't know if I'd be shocked because I feel like why, why didn't they rotate four corners last year? Because they had three. Because they had three. Yeah. So the issue is not – I think you make a good point. The philosophical argument of rotating corners is done. He shoved it right up my nose mm-hmm. when I said to Kerry Combs' face, I don't think you're going to do it. And then he did it. I think he – is it possible that he rotated corners last year just to spite me? Yeah, that's what it was. Um, it took a big gamble. Yeah. He, said, he decided to occasionally bench the number nine pick in the draft <laughs> just because I'm a jerk. Um, but But I do think – if they if it so happens that their A1 talent depth, that their starter quality depth at corner is four deep instead of three deep, then they'll play four just like they played three. I don't, I don't think he would stop at three just because three is a number. He would go – now, it doesn't mean he's going to play seven. No. That, but I think he'd go to four. Ready. Yeah. You, they're not going to force it. They're going to play the guys who they think are ready to play and can contribute. Like um, Sean Wade might be a very special quarterback here someday. 
he, I think he's probably too thin at the moment to play. Like, well, maybe we'll play special teams, but he's just not going to be. He just looked less physically ready than a crew, right? Right. right. But that doesn't mean he's not going to be good. It just means he needs a year to get ready. Like, um, Eli Apple redshirted, right? Mm -hmm. Eli Apple needed a year to get ready. Um, but if there are four guys who are ready to start and being ready to start as a freshman is like not a small thing. It doesn't happen very often. Um, especially in a place like Ohio State. But Okuda just seems like kind of a different breed of athlete and, and kid mentally. So if he's ready to go in, and I I read a lot into the number change I did with him in the spring, and maybe I read too much into it, but I thought like he was number one, and then they gave him a number in the 40s, and for two weeks of the spring I'm thinking to myself, who the hell is number 40 playing cornerback? Did they add somebody new to the roster? And it was Jeffrey Okuda, and I thought it was a way of them like challenging him and like trying to break him a little bit. And I don't think you do that with a guy unless you have a plan for him in the fall. That is funny. It's like you would look and say, oh, God, they took his number away. He's not ready. And actually, you read it as they took his number away. They're getting him ready. You they like saw that as a They didn't change Sean Wade's number. Yeah. They didn't. Like, they were, there are a lot of corners, and the only one who got his number changed was Jeffrey Okuda. They cared enough to get on him yeah. right away. They didn't play around with him. It was almost like, it, and this might be the wrong way of reading it, but like it's almost like you come in and you're too good. You're too good too early, and they need to break you a little bit. I think that's a good analysis. Yeah. So you – I really bought in like hook, line, and sinker. You can go back and read the Okuda thing I wrote in the spring. I was like in love with that kid after getting a chance to talk to him. Yeah. I think I think everybody falls in love with that kid when you get a chance to talk to him. He is a really smart, together kid. Um, and then you look at him, and he looks like he's ready to go to the NFL right now. Mm -hmm. So you, you're all into. Was I overboard? No, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm all in. I'm just having a hard time seeing how it might work. But I think a four man corner rotation is not out of the question. So if it is a four man corner rotation and he's part of a, a good corner group and a good secondary on a good defense that the defense is leading a playoff contender, then yeah, he's more like in the twenties. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm not going to give away where we have. Kendall Sheffield rank, but I'm just going to look and see what I, well, I have the list in front of we me. We have him somewhat significantly higher than Okuda at 41. Significantly higher. Uh, yeah. Based on the junior college resume, based on, I mean, it's first year guy at Ohio State, but is older, has been through it, has at least been, he didn't play at Alabama his one year there, but he got acclimated to life as a college football player and stuff like that, which all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he, Sheffield. Denzel Ward is the highest ranked corner on the list, obviously. And then Sheffield and Damon Arnett, who are two and three right now, it seems like, are way up above where Jeffrey Okuda is at number 41. And if Okuda is somehow on the same level as those guys, then yeah, he deserves to be bumped up probably 20 spots or so. So we'll we'll keep rolling that out next week, but I want to dip back real quick to one other guy that we already have put out there. And I think you know who I'm going to be talking about, Landis. Uh, number 43, I think he was, Drew Chrisman. Oh, yeah. The punter, I was on – we all do this. It's like a lot of radio stations across the country are do uh, like countdown to the Big Ten and they do a different team every day. So I was on some Nebraska radio show the other day when they were doing Ohio State and they, they wanted to run through everything. They run through offense, defense, coaching, schedule, and then they went to special teams. And they're like, well, let's talk about the Ohio State special teams. And I thought, why in God's name would somebody in the middle of Nebraska care about Ohio State special teams? But they asked and I answered. I think the special teams are a huge question mark for this team this year. Yeah. And that is not some great insight by me. But the kicker position has been a question mark for three years. And we'll deal with that 
Although he's been up, was he on the list already too, or is he to come? No, we we did not rank the kickers. Oh, we didn't rank him because our rationale was: Sean Nurmberger has been the scholarship kicker on the team for the last three years, and the last two years someone has come in and replaced him, and it hasn't mattered. So how could you put the kicker in top fifty? A walk on, yeah, out of nowhere, twice. And last year he was hurt, but it still happened. So, but Drew Chrisman, I was trying to explain to these Nebraska people, speaking in hyperbole about. Cam Johnston, how a high, never speaking too much hyperbole about him. Literally a weapon, like yeah. literally a weapon, not like oh no, Ohio State's got a punt. Almost like ooh, we get the punt now. Let's see if we can pin him on the three. I thought the best part of the Michigan game and all the crazy stuff that happened in the Michigan game was the punter battle, back and forth. And I forget Michigan's punter's name, but him and Cam Johnson were going at it. So two things: one is, do you think Cam Johnston will be the Philadelphia Eagles punter this year? And number two. How, we don't we don't know Drew Christman. We haven't we don't, haven't seen him punt as a college punter. He's a freshman. But what do you think potentially the drop off could be at punter for Ohio State? I do think Cam Johnson is going to be the Eagles punter this year. Um, um, second follow up question: Will you get a Cam Johnson Eagles jersey if that happens? I already have one. Okay. Um, Christman, I think yeah, it's weird. It's, if, it's, if a freshman punter can have any kind of pressure on him, Christman has it. Just because Cam Johnson was so good, um, they're different. I, I think in the end they can maybe be a, a, as equally as effective. But I was asking Cam Johnson. I think at the NFL Combine, I talked to him for about ten minutes, and part of that was about Chrisman. A room filled with NFL, future <clears throat> NFL stars. Went right over to the punter who didn't even have a podium. I had to ask him. I was like, "Are we allowed to talk to you?" And he said, "Yeah." And he seemed surprised that anybody wanted to. Did he give you like a did he dap? Did he give you a dap? No, I think he was probably put off by my weird obsession with how good he is, how good of a punter he is, which is fair. Um, <laughs> But I asked him a little bit about Crispin, and I asked him like, like if he was like Mr. Miyagi passing on his rugby-style ways to Drew Crispin. And he said no. Like That was a thing that I think was unique to Cam Johnson, and maybe if they get an Australian in the future, to that guy too. But um, he said that you know Crispin is, is, is just as accurate. He's got a really strong leg, maybe even stronger than Cam Johnson's leg. He's just going to do it in a different way. Um, but the thing I wonder is like the, the spin that Cam Johnson put on the ball was like he put it on a three, and it didn't move. And it was almost like superhuman the way he could do it. And I'm speaking hyperbole about him again, but he was really good. Like I, it's, I, I don't think I'm being crazy when I say like I've never seen a punter do the kind of things that Cam Johnson could do, like manipulating a football. And I don't know if Drew Crispin can do that because I don't think a lot of punters anywhere can do that. Um, but I think he's got a strong leg. I think he can still be a field possession weapon. It's just going to look a little different than what Cam Johnson. He does. can manipulate a water bottle. Isn't that? I, I did you put the water bottle video in the post? I did. Okay. And I am. I'm really excited for what I guess will be the the um, fall camp media day. Will probably be the only chance we get to talk to them before the season. I want to know if that's real. Do you think? Do you think it? I think it's a video where you have the water bottle sitting down and there's a string you can't see on it, and they pull it and I don't then know. run it backwards. Is he that much of a water ball flipping savant? Listen, if you haven't seen it, go to Bill's post right now. The top 50 Ohio State football players for 2017, colon, number 43, Drew Chrisman. And it's a Twitter video that's in there of Drew Chrisman flipping water bottles. And, like, they land on the moon and stuff and on top of the Empire State Building. He had one where it was like a blooper. And he had one where he threw it and it fell off the wall and hit him in the head. And it made me think that it's all legit. And maybe it just takes uh, a lot of a lot of takes to get, to get the right shot. But I just – it looks fake. So I don't know if it's a string. I don't know if he's pulling camera tricks or what. But I'm skeptical of Drew Crispin, and I intend on asking him about it at Media Day. You know what you're going to do at Media Day besides ask him about it? You're going to bring a water bottle. Yeah, make him do it. Yeah. Put him on the spot. Yeah. 
Media Day is funny. I still remember talking to JT Barrett when he was a, a true freshman and was redshirting at Media Day. And just talking to him for like 10 minutes. I, I love, love Media Day. Yeah, that's great. Well, la- last year it was weird because like all, like everyone's there. It's the only time really you get to talk to true freshmen unless I give them to you in, in the winter like we did this year. But everyone's there. But if the guys who were standing around and don't have tables, like don't get talked to within the first four minutes, they're smart enough to know to leave. So some interesting guys left last year yeah. pretty quickly. And it's hard. Like I, I missed Nick Bosa last year because he left too soon. He talked to other reporters, but I missed. Yeah, him. he was. He talked for like five minutes and he left. And um, like I wanted to talk to Malcolm Bridgen, and like I saw him over there. Wanted to talk to somebody else, and then I turned around and Malcolm Bridgen was gone. It's like you can't go in. It's like, oh look, there's nine All Americans over there. Who cares about them? If you want to talk, it's like we want to talk to who? Who's like a good? Oh, I know who I want to talk to. Trayvon Grimes. Trayvon Grimes is huge because, again, it's some of the freshmen who weren't in for spring. I think I have a number one guy because he was a guy that I did. See, see I think – well, now I want to talk is about – Wyatt Davis? Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that Wyatt Davis's grandfather was either. Willie Davis, yeah. who was drafted by the Browns, traded by the Browns after two years to the Packers and became a Hall of Famer. And then his dad's name is Dwayne Davis, and he's an actor. He was in the program. I knew his dad was an actor. I didn't know. And his dad was born in Cleveland. While Willie was a Brown. And so I'm assuming it's why Willie, while Willie was a Brown. But like all of a sudden, and I'm just an idiot, but there's like a Cleveland connection to Wyatt Davis, who's from LA and is coming to Ohio State. And it's like, why is Wyatt Davis coming to Ohio State? And it's like, okay, well, Ohio State's a great place to play. Like, it, it's a there's secret, a Cleveland. Secret, secret sauce, man. Every time you wonder why a kid from. Wherever it comes to Ohio State, there's always a connection. But he's Almost not always. he's not going to Wisconsin, where his dad was a Packer for ten years. So like, I have on my list. I want to actually get a hold of Willie Davis like yesterday because I don't know if anyone's talked to Willie Davis about Wyatt Davis. I I've, I didn't know it before you wrote it. Your so. grandfather is in the Hall of Fame. Like, not just was a good player; he's a legend. Sounds like you need to go to Canton. Talk. To do you me. think do you think Ohio State would let you travel to Canton with Wyatt Davis? I don't think Ohio State would let me talk to Wyatt Davis in a in a closed room with the door locked for more than two minutes. Um, that'll be that'll be for when he's a fifth year senior, except he'll never get to be a fifth year senior because yeah, he's, he's going to be like years. Yeah. he's going to be like the ninth pick in the draft is three years at left tackle. All right, that's going to do it for Buckeye Talk. Um, you can read us on Cleveland.com/slash/OSU, iTunes, Stitcher. All the things Bill said before. Google Play. Um, tune in. Tune in. I tried Spotify. We're not big enough. For real? How yeah. do you get to be on Spotify? I think like Bill Simmons big or stop uh, or that's not right. Apparently they want like um, like stories. Like you now some podcasts like or like or series and tell a story. Like they want stuff like that. I think more so than just two guys talking about Ohio State. Someday. We tell the stories of what we eat. Yeah. Tell your friends to listen to Buckeye Talk, and maybe we'll be, we'll be Bill Simmons big, and then we can get on Spotify. Yeah. We're Bill Simmons big. We're not going to be here. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. So thanks for listening to you guys. We'll get back to questions next week. Again, next week we'll be back on a regular Wednesday. Uh, we'll preview Big Ten Media Days. And then – I'm already thinking about this. And then next week, camp will be starting potentially on that Wednesday maybe. Mm-hmm. We'll have gathered a lot of stuff in Chicago, and I would like us to try to gather some stuff. I have an idea for a particular thing to ask every person we talk to all year, both 
players and coaches at the Big Ten Media Days, and every time we interviewed an Ohio State player during the season and coaches. The same question? One particular question that is would be for this podcast. We might write them up separately. Should I just say it or should I keep the tease? No, I kind of want to know what it is. I would like to ask every person we talk to, what is their go-to fast food meal? Oh, yeah. That'd be interesting. I'll be curious to add, like, if you ask that to coaches, they might say they don't eat fast food. Liars. They'd be liars. But uh, players would be good. So I think we could write posts on Cleveland.com with those answers, but I think I would also like to maybe get to the point where we play a couple clips each week of, and here's Chris Worley talking about his go-to fast food experience. And you're envisioning, like, uh, Chris Worley says, like, I love the number 11 at Burger King. And, like, why? Why do you yeah. love it so much? And he says, well, when I was a kid, my grandfather, that was he always loved that sandwich, and so we used to go get it, and then... I always brings good back, back – or maybe he's like, I just love the slam greasy meat. Like whatever <laughs> whatever the answer is. Like if you got Cardell Jones talking about Chipotle, if we had asked him this three years ago, we would have had a 30-minute podcast. So yeah. you don't know. And you know when you were in college, you guys all know it. You had a thing you loved. They all love Canes too. Canes is right by campus. They go yeah. nuts for that I think. So Yeah, you might get some weird – yeah, it would be interesting because Canes doesn't have – I don't think Canes has numbers. Right. But it doesn't matter. You don't have to have a number. It's just a meal. Caniac combo. You can you can mix and match. Pat Elfline is like already like a, just like a rooster spokesman now so that he's jealous. in the NFL. Love roosters. So let's see if we can maybe get a little – we'll have Pat Elfline on the show and see if we can bring free wings. Yeah. Um, all right. That actually is it. Uh, for Bill Landis, I'm Doug Lane Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk.